This week on Art of the Air, we feature longtime fixtures of the Northwest Indiana theater scene, Paul and Angie Lowe, sharing details about their nearly six-decade career and their new show, 1776. Next, we have an encore visit with singer, songwriter, guitarist, Michelle Schaefer. Our spotlight is on Art Barn's holiday shop running through December with executive director Amy Navadakis. Express yourself through art and show the world your heart. Express yourself through art and show the world your heart. You're in the know with Esther and Larry. Art on the air today. Stay in the know with Larry and Esther. Art on the air our way. Express yourself through art. And show the world your heart, express yourself you art, and show the world Welcome. You're listening to Art on the Air on Lakeshore Public Media, 89.1 FM, WVLP 103.1 FM, our weekly program covering the arts and arts events throughout Northwest Indiana and beyond. I'm Larry Breckner of New Perspectives Photography, right alongside here with Esther Golden of The Nest in Michigan City. Aloha, everyone. We're your hosts for Art on the Air. Art on the Air is supported by an Indiana Arts Commission Arts Project Grant, South Shore Arts, and the National Endowment for the Arts. Art on the Air is heard every Sunday at 7 p.m. on Lakeshore Public Media, 89.1 FM, also streaming live at lakeshorepublicmedia.org, and is available on Lakeshore Public Media's website as a podcast. Also heard on Friday at 11 a.m. and Monday at 5 p.m. on WVLP 103.1 FM, streaming live at wvlp.org, and Tuesdays at 4 p.m. on WDSO 88.3 FM. Our spotlight interviews are also heard Wednesdays on Lakeshore Public Media. Information about Art on the Air is available at our website, breck.com slash AOTA. That includes a complete show archive, spotlight interviews, plus our show is available on multiple podcast platforms, including NPR One. Please like us on Facebook, Art on the Air, WVLP, for information about upcoming shows and interviews. We'd like to welcome to Art in the Air Spotlight, back from the Art Barn School of Art in Valparaiso, Amy Navardakis. She's going to tell us about some of the things going on there and some of the things that are coming up the holiday season and beyond. Welcome back to the show, Amy. Thanks for having me. Aloha, you, welcome. So you have your uh, show coming up. Uh, we You just closed the Dave show, I think, and uh, you were, they used to be dire, diversified, I think, visionaries. Now it's just diversified visionaries. But uh, now you're going to come into like the holiday season. You have something very special. And what? This is your sixth season, I think. But tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, yeah. So it's called the Holiday Gift Gallery, and um, like several of the exhibitions that we have during the year, it features artists from from the region, and that's part of our mission is to uh, support those artists and. Um, the gift gallery is a little bit different from some of the other exhibitions that we do in that we um, try to get small items from, from artists rather than like large wall pieces or, you know, art purchases or such a personal purchase. These are more like things that you would want to give to other people. So, you know, we, we try to get wearables and smaller works of art and functional pieces. So, do you accept them the- throughout the season or are you set with who's in the gift gallery? We have we have a um, a period of time where we accept those works, and um, so the oh I'm I can't remember exactly how long those works are being accepted, but um, we try to kind of get everything inventoried in, and then um, then it's open for the gallery. So I know that 
in the past, Esther, when when you were merchandising for an organization <laughs> that, you know, you did it all year round. And this is something we do for, you know, like we start after Art Blitz and then we, you know, continue during the, the, the run of the exhibition. Trying to find out when the deadline was to submit an application to be part of the gift gallery. Yeah, I would say that would definitely... Um, it's it's the end of October, so I think um, if it gets too close to the the submission date, then it gets just too tricky to kind of manage that. So sure. I would say before November fourth. What types of things do you have there? You said small items, but what uh, what's the variety of things you have in your gallery? So the, so it would range anything from you know the the artwork pieces would range anything from you know small prints, uh, greeting cards. Um, you know, s- small, um, you know, photographs in different giglet prints, or it kind of depends on what artists bring us, even woodcuts and things, um, on up to uh, wearables. I know there are going to be a few um, different fiber art pieces in there. Um, we try to get a lot of jewelry. Jewelry is a very popular um, item during the holiday gift gallery. And we usually work with um, Carl Reichert, and he does... Um, he does woodworking pieces that are real popular too. General price range of items. Um, it you know we the artists can price things um, what they would like, but we really do like to have a range so that we can say that there's price points for every budget. So I would say everything from like ten dollar items on up to you know several hundred dollars. Sure. And I think ceramics would definitely be part of this as well because we do work with several ceramic artists as well. So who curates your exhibit? Um, it is uh, it is curated by our uh, exhibition chair, Dinah Heischler. Um, she has been a, our champion for exhibitions over the last several years and um, does a wonderful job of organizing and kind of, you know, getting artists involved. So she's sort of our, our lead for that. So after the holiday, you have an exhibit coming up in next year, and it's kind of special at home. I think it's what's called the Student and Instructor Exhibition. Tell us a little bit about that, and uh, I guess there's still time to submit things for that if you fall in that category. Yeah, yeah. So we have... Um we haven't really done a, a student and um, instructor exhibition combined. Um, it, at least I don't think it's happened in my tenure at Art Barn. And so we thought it was a really wonderful way to um, highlight our artists, uh, the artist's work, uh, the student work, but then also so people can kind of get a sampling of what our teaching artists do outside of their teaching hours. So it gives people like a little insight into who our in- instructors are. So it's a really, um, it's kind of, a, it's a really special opportunity, I think. And with 2024 coming up, you have a new set of classes uh, getting ready to go online? Yeah, we do. Um, classes um, for spring, our spring session runs from January one to uh, the end of May. So it's quite a, quite a span. Um, but those open up in, in opened up in mid December and, um, you know, so there, uh, everything is up on our website. If you check out artbarnschool.org, um, go to navigate to our education pages and you'll see where everything's at. So. But residencies, do you have stu- any, uh, residencies coming up? We don't currently have a, a resident. Yeah, it's 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 actually you know I, I would love to see an art uh, like a robust artist residency program at, at Art Barn. 
for so many reasons, but it's it's really a difficult, um, very time intensive project. So we don't currently have an artist in residence, but I know that my, my program director and I are really, we really, really want to do it. It's just, it, we're, we're just, we're kind of capped with our bandwidth right now. So <laughs> unfortunately, no, but we do have some guest artists coming up. Um, I'm going to space on the dates, but I know one of them is, is Karen Ackoff and she's the next person that's going to be teaching some, um, like some, uh, very traditional techniques. And, um, so we're really looking forward to having her come. Sounds great. Well, we appreciate coming on Art in Spotlight. That's the Holiday Gift Gallery at Art Barn School of Art in Valparaiso, November 4th through December 30th. And they're going to have a reception on Friday, November 10th from 5 to 7. Amy, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, nice to see you, Amy. Thank you, Esther. Nice to see you, too. Art on the Air Spotlight and the complete one-hour program on Lakeshore Public Media is brought to you by Macaulay Real Estate in Valparaiso, Olga Patrician, Senior Broker. And as a reminder, if you'd like to have your event on Art in the Air Spotlight or have a longer feature interview, email us at aota at breck.com. That's aota at breck, B-R-E-C-H, dot com. You're listening to Art on the Air on Lakeshore Public Media, 89.1 FM, on WVLP, 103.1 FM. We would like to welcome Paul and Angie Lowe to Art on the Air. Angie and Paul have been a force in the Northwest Indiana theater scene for nearly six decades. A true human and theatrical love story making their mark at Lake Central High School and establishing Lake Central Theater Guild. Upon their retirement from Lake Central, they established Lark on CL at Cedar Lake's Great Oaks Banquet Center, now in their 18th season. Thank you for joining us on Art on the Air. Aloha and welcome, Angie and Paul. Hi. Thank you. Hi. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you, Esther. Well, and we've known each other for oh, a few years here, I think, all the way back to when I first, I think, saw your first show in, uh, that I saw in 1974. A funny thing happened in the way of the forum when I was still, uh, like, in between, just out of school. But anyway, we're interested in your story. Uh, I always like to say how you got from where you were to where you are now. So, Paul, we'll start with you. Tell us about your origin story, like where you grew up and how you got to where you were. So, go ahead. Uh, uh, we grew up. Uh, in, well, I did, in West Terre Haute, Indiana, which is on the other side of the Wabash River from Terre Haute. And uh, basically, I knew I wanted to do something in college and, and try to you know, improve myself. <laughs> and uh, fortunately, my brothers had preceded me. They went on to school and uh, they both became school teachers. I wasn't sure about that. And it wasn't until my junior year that I really committed to uh, of college, yeah, of college to, to, to teaching. And, uh, and it worked out great. My brother Bob at the time was already teaching at Dyer Central, which was uh, the, the forerunner to uh, Lake Central. And my brother Pete was teaching at Protzman in Dyer. So I had two brothers in, in Dyer and we're from Terre Haute. And this area where we are now was the region and you know it wasn't an attractive place to come to <laughs> but uh i said angie will go up there and if teaching works for me because i knew angie she was born to be a teacher but not me i said if it works for me uh we'll go somewhere where we really want to live because i really didn't want to live up here <laughs> uh well obviously that folded into i didn't have to really interview because they loved my brothers so when Lake Central opened up, I was hired through my, the reputation of my brother uh, to teach it at uh, Lake Central. 
And then I taught French and speech. And I think at one time I wanted to be a lawyer. So <laughs> it made me want to do the contest area of all this stuff. And so I started, and it was my job was to build a, the, uh, the, the speech and debate team up. One man, me only, no one else there. And uh, But I didn't know, and Angie said, I'm sure it was there, but I just didn't read it. It said in the contract I would direct two plays. Um, Fine print of a golf play that I got $50 for, and a spring play, for some reason, they gave me $75 for. Well, I'll, I'll really shorten this up and say that it, it didn't take long to realize that the speech and debate wasn't nearly as much fun for me and, and Angie, I'm sure, uh, as the theater was. So I got away from the speech and debate and then committed to um, the full-time speech theater instructor at Lake Central. And his second year, they wanted to schedule for the next year's French classes. So they were going to have him teach five French classes and said, he said, no, thank you. I don't want to teach him my minor. Then they said, uh, offhandedly, do you know of another French teacher? And he said, yeah, I'm married, I'm married to one. So that's how we got here. And I started helping and that was it. Neither of us had any training at well, all until he went back to graduate yeah. work. Yeah. yeah. And then he got more. I've never been trained in anything theatrical, just French and English. I think we modeled ourselves after the fellow that was a Bishop Noel. What was yes, that? his name was... Uh, I'm going to tell you, Breckel, Charles Breckel. What? We had heard about him and had seen some of his shows. And then, of course, we went to every other school, too. That's where we first met you about six or seven years in to our tenure there. And you saw Forum in 73 and Fiddler in 74 with us. Right. So, and yeah. And uh, oh, boy. Well, I want I want to dial back a little bit and actually talk about the love story of Paul and Angie, how you guys got together. So let's, you know, I think our audience would like to know that. I mean, you know, people known you for years and years. I mean, you've been a staple of theater, but let's talk about how you guys got together. I, I lived with a girlfriend of mine named uh, Cheryl in West Terre Haute after I'd been in Terre Haute and all over the United States. I'd been for six or seven years. My mother was an itinerant teacher, so I was in different school every year. So when I met my girlfriend, Cheryl, I got to stay with her. I lived with her for two and a half years and passed. She's my dear friend, rest her soul. She just passed, passed the summer. But because of Cheryl and my connection, we were walking one day to uh, the beach at Isaac Walton the to beach. go swimming. <laughs> the and, beach right, to go to. And along came uh, Joe Brooks in a, I won't describe the color, let's just say flesh pink, <clears throat> yeah. flesh pink DeSoto convertible or whatever, and Paul was a passenger in that car. Uh, Joe and Cheryl stood there and talked for a while. Paul and I just said hello and nodded, and that was it. Two years later, uh, we went to the Consolidated School. We had gone to Valley for a freshman year. He had gone to Concanon for two years, just like West Vigo uh, Consolidated. So then we joined up in West Vigo when I was a, a sophomore. He was a junior. When we and that's when we started liking each other and kind of but we went to the prom yeah i went with david and i went with Levon. <laughs> now uh, we I, will, doubled. I will explain david and this is really meant in with some love not a lot of love he was very primitive you know like he just fallen from the tree in my he actually life. walked like an orangutan but <laughs> he it was did. fun yeah. and 
And Levon, bless her soul, oh. really wasn't the sharpest Crayola. But she was beautiful and she was a cheerleader. Oh, yeah. yeah. I wanted to, to, it was a prom. I wanted to dance. Well, Levon, she didn't want to do anything. And I don't know if. if and you, David didn't want to. So, so we started dancing. It was sort of like in Animal House, mind if we dance with your dates. And so Paul and I started dancing and just having fun together. And that was it. I mean, not long after that, we were uh, talking about getting married. And so that's our little love story. Huh. <laughs> well, that, great. Yeah, that's, that's uh, great. I, I bet you a lot of people don't even really know that love story and everything. <laughs> so no, we haven't told it to everyone. On, uh, it's not one of the greatest <laughs> things on the planet. Well, it's a cool. It's yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> and we've been together. Yeah. And that was what year? 58 years married. Wow. We married August 1964, the hottest day of the millennium. I think I was 15. He lies. He was 20 and I was 18. (laughs) (laughs) He's always telling that truth. His his lying age gets younger every time he tells it. Let's now you you've come together, Angie. You're now at Lake Central, just starting to teach French, and right. uh, Paul's now found the fine print that says, you know, you got to do some shows here. So, so anyway, start talking about the founding of the theater, and eventually how you founded it as Lake Central Theater Guild. When did that become the thing? Or I mean, now, well, we we when we got going, we were just fortunate to have. Uh, the, it was just like fate put all these talented kids together and we were there for them and they were there for us and there was this one boy in particular a young man by the name of bob baker bob who, baker who really really enjoyed theater and we've said this and it's a true thing he taught us far more than than we ever uh, lear- uh taught him taught we him. think we oh, really yeah. truly believe that he's still at it in in hollywood but he's been in very bad health and uh Bob played all the big leads. And when we began doing musicals, we did Bye Bye Birdie. He played Harry McAfee the next year we did. Um, and he played our Felix and the Odd Couple. And the next year we did um, uh, The Music Man. And he was the music man. And he lost 60 pounds that summer to play it. And then the, his senior year, he played Henry Higgins in My Fair Lady. Then he, he designed some sets for us for the next couple of years. And we stayed on, and he went to Drake University, and we text with him all the time. We're in constant touch with well, Bob it's, Baker. It's just kind of a, a, a neat uh, circumstances that got us together. And, you know, I knew some things about set construction, but not enough to, to – I was just dangerous with tools all along. <laughs> and I was fortunate enough to have these wonderful kids, and their motto was if they hadn't done it they'd seen it done or they would find and this is before you could go online and just check out how do you do this particular thing and those kids just they created what we are um and then Ange uh became involved in it and i say to everyone and, and i think it's true she's she's the ideal unideal audience member you know <laughs> if there's a flaw she's going to find it and she's not going to say anything about it but if you if you want to improve it you'll improve but you know without any kid gloves you know right just does it i have kind of a (laughs) i'm I'm an honest half italian so i'm i'm wanting to get everybody (laughs) in the right place and 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 i'm an audience member and i like to see things and i'm an adhd victim as well never diagnosed but i can see 30 things at once and that's where i pick up and clean up and 
we you know solve blocking sure, issues sure. or or collisions and stuff and like that. You know that. another another thing that that always made us feel good is the theater people. Well, Larry, you're an example. You were at Highland. We saw your shows oh, there yeah, and your shows at Monster. Monster. And, you know, that was just unbelievable. And then uh, at the center, my gosh, what you were doing there, I thought, that's right. You know, he's making a good living <laughs> in the arts. Well, we've never without, made a living in the with, arts. Without <laughs> going to New York, you know, and, and just killing himself to not get cast in anything, <laughs> which I thought was kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. Have you been actors, either of you, on the stage? Uh, I have. I have I myself. I have myself in shows that I've written. Uh, when we used to take shows to the White Pines up in northern, north central Illinois, and we'd be paid for that. So I would write a few little sh- silly shows, and we'd pay the regular royalty for a regular show, and uh, I would pay the actors out of the money they paid us. And sometimes I was too cheap to hire another actor, so I played in quite a few. <laughs> I've been on stage uh, with Genesius Guild seven times, and I've been in. 15 or 20 shows at White Pines, shows that I had written or shows that I appeared in. And I'm not an actor per se, but I do love it. And it's just fun. I can forget myself and and uh, try to remember only that I should care about what I'm doing. But somehow it gets hard when I see anything that can be cleaned up here or there. You know, I like to do a quick fix on something that just changes it for the better and keeps faces to the audience and, and, and avoids collisions and keeps blocking from, you know, being static, static or or uh, clumsy. So yeah. just a little of everything. That's what yeah. we do. Well, and it's just us. Yeah. Well, one thing you guys established was, uh, and this is something I'll be honest with you, I, I didn't copy it directly, but uh, removing high school from the name of your, your organization. So you, yes. you founded the Lake Central theater guild and i always told people that uh i always told my students at least i says you know mom and dad and grandma come see puppy puke on stage and think it's wonderful but if you want to develop a community or a larger audience and that's why when at highland i established the highland theater company and munster was the munster theater company and and so that was something that you know i learned from you as far as you know you don't have to because i'll tell you what, what what's a killer name is Highland High School Drama Club. That already diminishes what you're going to put on stage, I think. Right, right, right. right. Oh, I said, when was the founding of Lake Central Theater Guild as far as your moniker? Well, I believe he he called it that from the beginning. But we we didn't really have... Nobody else came up with any better idea. And I think you, Paul. Oh, okay. Yeah, Paul called Ah. it that from the beginning. Uh, And I think... Somewhere down the line, he was thinking ahead. Just what you just said. We never, we never used class distinction. We did the mystery of Edwin Drood, and you know that story, Larry. And we had two freshman leads as Rosa Bud and Drood. That's, yeah, that, that, and, that, that, and we never yeah. did class distinction. If the kid was talented enough, he got the part, whether he was a senior or not. You know, in fact, one year, and I won't go into any other detail, but but this to say that one year we cast a lot of seniors in one fall show that was a musical and regretted it. And we won't name names. It just happened. I won't even say this show. But several of those kids had grown up a little fast with some of our summer theater people, all of whom were adults and graduates. And there was a little drinky poo going on uh, on a Friday night and the, the Cheryl police entered in. So we had to, we had to replace 10 kids eight of whom were leads in one show with two weeks to go because of their their uh, lack of control. And we'd warned them. 
we'd already warned them. Well, you know what? If, if you're going to so do something. we had to do it. Yeah. You know, you don't have to tether them down to a rock and make no. them not have any freedom. But there are some common sense things. Right. Sure. And, and just beyond the. And when the police were involved, it came to the attention of the new principal. And we were on the phone as soon as we knew about it and left her a message, little knowing that she had found out about it on Friday night. At 8.01 a.m. on Saturday, uh, one of the boys involved, his mother called me and said, and gee, so-and-so, she I won't say his name. She just named his real name, not his nickname, has something to tell you. And she made him tell us the story. So yeah. he said, oh, gosh, some of us did some well, stupid you, I'm stuff, sure. you know, and, yeah. and we got every, caught so every, there. Every group has had the ups and downs. But you know what? Ah, I, I think I know what you're going to say. The, the downs really make you uh, appreciate when those kids are just going so far above what you think. At the beginning, they're they're capable of it. Just uh, you know that it's it's it's. I I think it's very. We have more fun and more enjoyment than most people I know, and we've had more fun and more enjoyment for a longer period of time with other people's kids. Yes, because we never had any. Yeah, we got to work with your little girl back in nineteen ninety six when she was about seven or eight years old. Beautiful little girl. So when did you decide to venture into summer stock? You know, you've been doing the school uh, shows. 1972 was our first show uh, in summer. And we uh, we just had to ask permission for them to let us use the theater. Because for the first 12 summer show seasons, we didn't get any pay at all for any stipend. We, never, we didn't get any money, but we, we got far We more got more than, than money. money yes. But it wasn't until a dear friend who became closer to us and was one of our adult actresses on our staff got on the negotiated committee that we finally got started getting a little pay for summer theater. We did it for 12 years for nothing, but we had the right to use the theater. So that was good. Oh yeah. After place. Yeah. Yeah. And that was also then shortly after that, we started community during the school year and we did a fall show and a spring musical with kids. And then we did a couple of community shows in the year. We did a few at other theaters and other venues. Well, you know, the, the reason why that came about is so many of the people that we'd work with, you know, they didn't want it to, to be terminated at, at graduation. Yeah. And we didn't want it to be terminated. We didn't want to lose them as yeah. seniors. You so were there. We, we just went on. Yeah. So yeah. they came back and did summers. Yeah. So that was good. And then, again, no class distinction, using graduates and adults and kids. And then they learned some some bad habits sure. <laughs> but mostly they just learned so much and then the next couple of years even as sophomores or juniors they were snagging leads and playing them to, to the and you know I, if i can add this larry uh we never ever would tell people uh you know to go into all oh, right uh, the arts or <laughs> never never recommended never, it especially performance no. i mentioned that in my bio i said yeah, but did any it. did any um not follow that yes. advice and are they in are they yes, professionally we have we have a, we have five minutes we have a poster up right here behind me and i do want to show you our set we have a poster for starlight express one of our 77 grads uh who in his last uh, several years uh in 77 he was nothing in the spring musical Oliver, but that summer he was lead dancer, choreographer, and applause. Summer of 78, he was 
leading player in Pippin, summer of 79. Wow. He was Judas and choreographer and costume designer in Superstar. And summer of 80, he was MC in Cabaret. Then he went to New York. Seven years later, he was opening on Broadway in Starlight Express. Um, Weber and Rice uh, tunes and directed by, um, my gosh, Trevor Nunn. Trevor Nunn, Trevor right, Nunn. Trevor Nunn. And, and, and that's Michael Berglund, if I remember right. That's Michael Berglund, you got and, it. Uh, we have uh, a boy that went on and conducted on Broadway. Rob Mikulski, an 84 grad. He, he played cabaret as an incoming freshman keyboard. And uh, he he went to uh, Disney and conducted Aida and many shows on Broadway. And there's time there, and we don't have time. But it's funny and wonderful. It's just you and I'll tell it together. But um, and Sammy, uh, his wife, they did 15 or 17 uh, musicals with us and they spoiled us rotten <laughs> for that. Now they're in San Antonio, Texas, with a uh, uh, a Lutheran synod. And and he's always played organ for Lutheran church. So that's where they are. That's where most of our big stuff went for Grease Car. And our little shop plants, they're there with them. That's it. Yes. Well, then you were, you left. Did we we give you any word? Oh, no, but you you retired from uh, Lake Central, but then theater didn't end for you. So tell us a little bit about the move to Great Oaks. Well, we, our last, we did several shows our last year in the spring of 04. Those seniors who graduated, we did two or three extra shows with no pay at all for them. The Outsiders being one and a couple other great shows. Then we left there in December of 04, and we came straight to Great Oaks because we'd already done a murder mystery with some friends up here. Well, our, our plan was, and the original plan was to, to do it upstairs, upstairs. In, in the banquet hall. And the owner then, a wonderful guy by the name of Tom McAdams, said, well, let's go down here. And he, he showed us, and he said, this was a swimming pool. This was the swimming pool. Well, I knew it. We had swam here. Yeah. We had swum here Yeah, <laughs> back in the late 60s. But the roof caved in. And he filled it in because, you know, he wanted to do something. And he was going to do a banquet hall. And he said, what about this place? So we have been working in a, a swimming pool for 18 years. <laughs> right. We, in fact, it was just nothing. All one level concrete floor. But now I, I'm going to pan. I'm going to pan now and show you from stage right. Can you see the tally board? Right. Yes. Of course, the our audience can't see 17. it. <laughs> and so while we're yeah, looking at that. The- I'm just panning all the way across. You right. see all the chairs for the Congress and we're back to us. Well, and we <laughs> wanted to give you a chance now because we only have about a minute and a half left to talk about your upcoming musical, 1776. So, 1776. This is our third time to do it. And uh, it'll be our last gigantic big musical because it's just. We're going to be 78 and 80 after Thanksgiving and Christmas, so we're hoping to do some other small shows. But we have a great, unusual group of people, only about five or six of whom have ever done a show before, ever. So we have a very well, that's exciting. great, consolidated group, yes. And I, I, far, I went out and beat the bushes, and I even got two guys from a Rocky Road band, and they're both in this show. And we have... Um, a man named Jason Horn as John Adams, Gary. Give uh, the dates. Just a second. Yeah, Gary Mayon as I Ben Franklin. And the show dates are, we open Saturday, November 4, and Sunday, November 5. Then two weekends uh, farther than that, Friday, Saturday night, Sunday afternoon, November 10, 11, 12, 
17, 18, 19. And those are all dinner shows except the Friday and Saturday of November 17 and 18. That's just a show only because there's another event here. And real quick, how can they get tickets? Uh, they can uh, text Angie 219-776-0888. That's the best way. We don't do an online ticketing. And you could go to the Great Oaks event uh, website, but you'll just pay eight or nine extra dollars. Just call me. Call me or text me to one nine seven seven six zero eight eight eight. And that's Paul and Angie Lowe, the longtime theater gurus of Northwest Indiana, 1776. And you can see it at the Great Oaks, and you can find information also online at the website. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing with our audience on Art on the Air. Our pleasure. Yeah, thank, thank you, you so Esther. much. Thank you, Esther and Larry. We love you guys. Thank you. You're listening to Art on the Air on Lakeshore Public Media 89.1 FM on WVLP 103.1 FM. like to welcome back to Art in the Air, someone who's been with us before and sharing her wonderful talents. Uh, her musical writing touches on subjects of light, uh, love, spirit, time, and life's purpose. Um, and also her guitar arrangements have been a framework for her voice, uh, informed by a pop, rock, classical, flamingo, and Americana style. She writes using a nylon string, steel string, and electric guitars, as well as piano. I guess our musical style is eclectic and uh, speaks to the heart. We'd like to welcome back to Art in the Air uh, our singer, songwriter, guitarist friend, Michelle Schaefer. Welcome back to Art in the Air. Aloha. Oh, aloha. Thank you so much for inviting me. Everybody's doing well. Spring is upon us. It sure is. Well, um, our guests, just to remind them, you can listen to Michelle's previous interview on April 26, 2019 on our website. And, uh, and she was also part of her COVID-19 updates. What was your life growing up musically? Was there a lot of music in the household? Were there the piano lessons or there there weren't really there weren't really any there wasn't any music lessons really. Um my dad was a fifer. He was in a fife and drum corps. Um so I did learn to play fife pretty young, but I didn't keep that up and I did I had guitar lessons as a teenager. So I didn't get piano lessons, but I did have guitar lessons and I did study classical guitar. Um, my, my mother sang to us, played guitar, um, folk, you know, folk songs. Um, she loved Johnny Cash. She, um, I mean, we had lots of Peter, Paul and Mary records, classical records. Um, I personally love the Beatles from the get-go, from very small. My earliest, some of my earliest radio memories were hearing um, Happy Just to Dance with You and Please Please Me. And um, and my my dad would pick up the guitar and he would pretend, you know, he would write silly songs on the guitar. He would sing this silly song, Go to C, Go to C, Go to G, and Back to C. <laughs> <laughs> and... Um, Let's see. And I always loved to sing. And I... What about writing? Did in, in like high school, were you writing poetry? I was... Yes, I was writing poetry. I wrote my first song at 16, 17, maybe 17. As a ch little girl, though, I went into a field. I was around eight years old. I 
tried to write a song. I really wanted to write a song. So I guess what I did was I asked. <laughs> and, um, and I think I realized that I had a poetic voice in my teenage years. I would hear things like, yes, I heard this voice. It was saying prose and poetry, and I needed to write it down. <laughs> um, and let's see. So my music teacher used to make me sing America the Beautiful in front of everybody all the time. <laughs> she would always choose me. Um, and recently I had a friend who listened to some recordings online. Somebody I knew as a little girl, she mentioned, oh, Michelle, I listened to what you were doing. You always loved your voice when I was when we were growing up. And I was very, very touched by that. That's so sweet. Laura, Laura Richards. Thank you, Laura. (laughs) So, and so when did that when did that transition into I want to do music and I want to create a body of music, like your first CD? Um, well, my first CD didn't actually happen until 1999. Um, I was writing through those years. Um, I got married in 92, and I, I had never stopped writing. I just was distracted by creating an, a business with my husband that we were making money. We, we have an art business. And so my music kind of got swept to the side. And then I I did do this recording, and then I had a child. <laughs> I had a child. That's a big project. It's lovely. <laughs> it's been a great project. And then in 2013, um, so my neighbor Kathleen Lombardo um, was a dear friend, and uh, I call her my spiritual mother, my creative um, mother. And she always encouraged my writing. I would take her songs, I would take her poetry, and she would just push, 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 push to get it better and rewrites and just to continue. The support was incredible from her. And she died in 2013 in August, suddenly, a very quick illness. And um, after that, uh, it was like a floodgate. I don't know if she became my muse or um, what I I was writing, I created this song. Um, that's how Dashboard happened. This album that was to my master Mare Baba. So that song was one of the first songs that I wrote after her death, and then it just was an explosion. So I did two records within a year and a half, a more um, secular record and a which is gray area and a record called dashboard that has a bunch of um, spirit songs to the beloved. Well, you have a new thing you've been working that's inspired new album that you've uh, worked on that's been inspired by COVID. And uh, we want to hear a cut from the first, uh, first one. It's called, I believe stranger. So tell us a little bit about that and we'll take a quick listen to a, just part of that. We don't want to release the whole songs because they haven't been released yet. So tell us a little about, um, well, it was just, uh, uh, I started it on, you know, songs are happenings, and it kind of has that James Bond kind of riff thing going in it. In it. And, um, the bridge or the chorus is about where we've been, where are you going? All can change in a flash in time. You've seen beyond. You've got a glimmer of knowing how it is we walk this thin line. 
I mean, everything can change in an instant. Um, So that song kind of happened. And uh, one of the things that all all the, so the, the guitars and the vocals I recorded here in this room that I'm sitting in. And then I took it to my guy, Brian Leach, and he did all the mixing and added additional instruments. So all the ooze, um, I arranged those. It is kind of like a 1930s Esther Williams film <laughs> kind of sound. Um, it was very exciting, very exciting. And so one of the things that happened during COVID, I was learning, I was turning myself into a choir in my studio. And um, the joys of your home studio that your lovely husband built for you. So I have the opportunity to play around and just do <laughs> do whatever I feel like today when I don't have to work, you know, like, oh, let me try this. Let me try that. So more and more, some of the production or the direction of the music of is what I've been doing here in my space rather than going to a studio and Brian, which he's great. I love working with him, being the driving force of what happens on the record, which is kind of what happened on um, Gray Area. Less for Love Forever, but we, we ending, we're ending up producing together more. And um, this record in particular, or this CD or album, is really driven by a fusion of acoustic elements, orchestral, merged with a classical element that is a little different. Let's take a quick listen to Stranger off the Scattered Light album uh, coming out this summer in 2021. When the stranger There's nothing at all You take a sip of the offering Finest vintage rare and altering That was Stranger from the new Scattered Light album from Michelle Schaefer. A uh, beautiful piece there. So mysterious sounding. Thank you. Thank you. Well, tell well, us about the title cut from Scattered, uh, the, uh, called Scattered Light, which, uh, what was the inspiration beyond on that? Well, Scattered Light, actually, um, I started writing the song with these harmonics, playing chords with harmonics, just going through a whole like four or five chords all played up up above the 12th fret with harmonics and the the lines that came to me the dark will call you out but the light will find you the dark will call you out but the light will find you and i had this going and i had the structure but i needed something and i didn't know what it was and then i was at a zoom thing and a friend Uh, my friend Rosalie read this poem, this very short poem by this woman, Phyllis Frederick. 
from a book called uh, Light on Running Water. And it was so part of her poem has been edited into this song. She's no the woman's no longer living. Phyllis is gone. Um, and that's where that the scattered light burns holes in the night came from. And I just thought it was so beautiful. And I thought, this is the name of this project. And that's, and I believe I, oh, I did. And again, the same thing with the vocals. There's very, just some choir, uh, medieval choir vocals in the beginning and throughout the piece. Well, Well, let's take a quick listen to the title track from Scattered Light, Scattered Light. off of the new album Scattered Light, available this summer with Michelle Schaefer. You're listening to Art on the Air on Lakeshore Public Media, 89.1 FM, on WVLP, 103.1 FM. Oh, Michelle, I would love to hear the inspiration behind Inscribe These Words. Can you give us some background on that? Um, well, I I started to just play these chords, and this, this line came out, and it's a... It's a quote, Mare Baba, inscribe these words on your heart, nothing matters but love. And so I shortened it, nothing matters but love. And um, then it goes on to talk about if all in all we're, is in everyone and everything, why can't we just love each other? We're all humans. We need to just love each other. And so with all the things that were going uh, on last year, between, you know, all the politics and the butting heads and, and just the intolerance between it just, just broke my heart. And so that's where that came from. And the clip that he's, that you're going to play ha- starts out with a mi- in the middle of the song is a full on choir vocals that were really fun to, um, write. I actually had to write them out and then I sang them and I recorded each each of the lines, I recorded four tracks of each one. So there's 16 tracks of, of Michelle. <laughs> Actually, it might be more because there's woven notes. There is another overlayer layer over that. And, and Brian did mix them, and he did an amazing job and put all these wonderful um, cello parts. And he has this new plug-in. Uh, system where where he can do orchestral strings that sound fabulous and um well why don't we go ahead and take a listen to that on inscribe uh these words from scatter light album ready for summer release
Uh, from the Scattered Light album, uh, Michelle Schaefer. Um, being a recording engineer back in the tape days, I love the layering of the, the vocals and everything you talked about. Just so complex in that, uh, that piece. And, of course, that's coming out this summer. Yeah, I'm really excited. Yeah, Brian Leach, he does an amazing job. We've been working together since 2013. And this is our one, two, fourth project. And we've done a bunch of other things as well. Um, so, so, oh, Burning Away, not Scattered Light. Burning Away was written the day after Halloween 2019 because, and there's, there's this thing and there's some lyrics in there. When autumn and winter are mixed up on the ground because it, the leaves were, it was green and it snowed, so it was crazy. It snowed on um, uh, Halloween. So this song was one of the first songs where I started really playing with the chord structure harmonics on the guitar, like playing a good portion of the song just in harmonics. Um, I have a love for harmonics. I love to finish a song with a harmonic. <laughs> Ding! It's so lovely. It's so, <laughs> it's so fun. Um, and... It's kind of, it's orchestrated pretty good. It's pre pretty big. It's moody. It's kind of a dark, moody song. There's a lot of dark and moody things going on in this record. Um, but a fusion with orchestrated and vocals and choirs. and It's fun. Being such a blast. Let's it. take a it's listen true. to Burning Away uh, from the Scattered Light album coming out this summer. Michelle Schaefer, Scattered Light album. That was a selection from Burning Away, and she's going to release those as singles over the period of time, and then, of course, as a whole album later this summer. So another beautiful piece there. 
And now this one, Michelle, when you sent me this a few months ago, I believe, your interpretation of Moondance is so magical that I want to live within that interpretation. I just listen to it over and over again. I'm so excited for everybody to hear it. Now, what made you or what inspired you to this particular interpretation. I don't want to give too much away. I'll let you do well, that. Well, there was a brief... Okay, so I'm in this group called um, Ghostwriters Highway, and it's um, run by Marco Mazzi, who is lives in Brisbane. He's a producer, composer, who has a music library and pitches to film. And he had a call for a um, dark and moody version of Moondance. And he couldn't believe it could be done, actually. And I did another one. I did a different song, Heaven is a Place on Earth, uh, by um, Belinda Carlisle. But that's an, we're talking about Moondance. And I was like, oh, I could do that. So I took my guitar, and I just did very simple chords. In pop right now, from what I understand, they're doing just the root and the third for chords. And so I simplified it. And all I did was the root and the third. And I took my hollow body and played it really slow and made it really dark. So beautiful. And, and I sang it, I sang it in here. And then I, so there's a different version out. You're just going to hear the guitar in my voice that Brian mixed, but we do have another version. And Marco Mazzi took it, and he made it really dark. And there's whispers underneath it, and it's it's really profound. And I'm doing um, George Harrison. Isn't it a pity right now? I've mm. got that in the works. I did a uh, a demo of it, and I just need to record it. I just haven't had time. That's another. But I'm. It's going to be the same slow down, simplified guitar part, very atmospheric, gorgeous, using that dark, whispery voice. Well, let's take a listen. This is Moondance from the Scattered Light uh, album, summer release, Michelle Schaefer. And all the night's magic seem to whisper and hush, and all the soft moonlight seems to shine in your blood. Can I just have one more moon dance with you, my love? Can I just make some more romance with you, my love? And that was Moondance from the Scattered Light album, uh, going to be released uh, this summer. So that was Michelle Schaefer once again. Michelle, uh, tell us a little bit about how people can find you, your music and everything, if they want to take a listen to you. They can find me on Facebook, on Instagram, Michelle Schaefer Music, Spotify, iTunes, CD Baby, um, YouTube. And so it's Michelle Schaefer Music, S-H-A-F-E-R. Don't put a C it's two L's and Michelle. <laughs> and I am working on a new website. I have, so that will be michelleshapermusic.com. I have an old site up. It's not really updated. So it's there, but you want to update it. Another so. thing, another thing on my list. So releasing this record and working on some music videos to go along with 
with that. And that's really exciting. Well, we appreciate you coming on Art in the Air. That was Michelle Schaefer. You got some samples of her music from the Scattered Light album. Singer, songwriter, guitarist, and uh, I was wonderful great. person. Wonderful person, and we appreciate you coming on Art Thank in the you. Air. So thanks again for coming on. Thank you uh, so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you. like to thank our guest this week on Art on the Air, our weekly program covering the arts and arts events throughout Northwest Indiana and beyond. Art on the Air is heard Sunday at 7 p.m. on Lakeshore Public Media, 89.1 FM, also streaming live at lakeshorepublicmedia.org, and is available on Lakeshore Public Media's website as a podcast. Art on the Air is also heard Friday at 11 a.m. and Monday at 5 p.m. on WVLP 103.1 FM, streaming live at wvlp.org. Our spotlight interviews are heard every Wednesday on Lakeshore Public Media. Thanks to Tom Maloney, Vice President of Radio Operation for Lakeshore Public Media, and Greg Kovach, WVLP's Station Manager. Our theme music is by Billy Foster with a vocal by Renee Foster. Art on the Air is supported by an Indiana Arts Commission Arts Project Grant, South Shore Arts, and the National Endowment for the Arts. We'd like to thank our current underwriters for Lakeshore Public Media, Macaulay Real Estate in Valparaiso, Olga Patrician, Senior Broker. And for WVLP, Walt Reitinger of Paragon Investments. So we may continue to bring you Art in the Air. We rely on you, our listeners and underwriters, for ongoing financial support. If you're looking to support Art on the Air, we have information on our website at breck.com AOTA, where you can find out how to become a supporter or underwriter of our program in whatever amount you are able. And like I say every week, don't give till it hurts. Give till it feels good. You'll feel so good about supporting Art on the Air. If you're interested in being a guest or send us information about your arts, arts-related event or exhibit, please email us at aota at breck.com. That's aota at breck, B-R-E-C-H dot com, or contact us through our Facebook page. Your hosts were Larry Breckner and Esther Golden, and we invite you back next week for another episode of Art on the Air. Aloha, everyone. Have a splendid week. Express yourself through art and show the world your heart. Express yourself through art and show the world your heart. You're in the know with Esther and Larry. Art on the air today. Stay in the know with Larry and Esther. Art on the air our way. Express yourself through art. And show the world your heart, express yourself through art, and show the world